Welcome back to another episode of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Today, you are joined by the four largest blokes in Australia in bodybuilding. Not. But today, you are joined by Jack, Lawrence, DY, and myself, DC. Now, we have a jam-packed episode today. We have some rather controversial uh, topics today, actually. And DY is certainly shuffling towards the, the front of his seat there in excitement. But um, let's get into it, mate. Let's just jump straight into this episode. New rule at Powerhouse Gym, no tripods. Now, we've already had some chat amongst the boys in our BDU chat, and there was uh, quite a few you know, rude words thrown around at this, uh, this topic. So I'm going to throw it straight over to you, Lawrence. What are your thoughts in that regard, mate? Mm, mate, I was saying off air that We've gone from one pandemic straight into another. The the tripod scourge just seems to be sweeping the nation. I feel like it was maybe last year or the year before there was all that drama in one of the UK gyms. And now it's it's come to our shores, which is very unfortunate. And look, let's all be honest. Like, does this happen if you know big dog Tony doesn't put out his video? I'm very skeptical. I think that Someone like him is a very prominent and strong voice, especially amongst a certain age demographic in the world of bodybuilding, I would say. And like, um, you know, he's a he's a big deal. He's sort of like the, the guy in the IFBB landscape here. So I think that his words hold a lot of weight. So I, for one, you know, do think that him putting out that video has probably influenced the decision at Powerhouse. And I wonder if there's been other gyms who have also followed suit but i think the thing that frustrates me the most is that the ruling just doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of like saying no tripods and dy and i discussed this today at the gym because a flat out rule to say no filming would actually make a lot more sense and i can understand that for privacy reasons you know not everyone wants to be in the back of videos and yes there's going to be like the 1% occurrence where someone with a, you know, DVO or with a, I don't know, they're like in witness protection gets seen in someone's video and it's like, it blows up. Like, I understand there is a very, albeit small, but real possibility of that happening. But my issue is, is like that you're still allowed to film. So if you gain appropriate consent from the people who may appear in the background which I'll admit I don't do every single time. But when it's like super obvious and the person like right next to me is going to be in it and I can't cut them out, I'll normally just say, hey, is it cool if you're going to be in this? I've never been told no. So the post basically said like, okay, if you gain consent from those around you, you can still film. So the comment that I left on the post was like, well, if you're still allowed to film and now I have to go get like a bench and something to lean my phone against is that not just like even more of a obstruction than me just like putting my tripod which when it's folded up is literally like this big like i could put it in my pocket if i wanted to so i just think it's a very silly rule and i think that you end up getting a response on that comment radio silence mate right radio silence i think they knew that my point was far too salient too and well made yeah yeah so that, that's the bit that annoys me and what also frustrates me is that there's like, in my opinion, there's much bigger fish to fry when you're running a gym. Like there's probably other rules that are kept a lot poorer, poorer, I guess would be the word, that would actually improve the 
the average experience of most gym goers because maybe I'm just like in my little echo chamber, but no one I've ever spoken to in person at the gym has said to me, you know what? I am just falling over tripods. I'm kicking them out of the way. This is out of control. It literally has never been said. And and in fairness, Powerhouse is a great gym. Like I don't hear many people complain about much at all there. So I don't know, mate. I think it's just a very silly rule. I still filmed a couple sets today. No tripods were used. People who may have appeared in the background were asked for consent and all that goodness. But I'm just, I'm a bit frustrated because I think, I think it's just a silly rule change. And I think a lot of it is just kind of following suit with Doherty's in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think sometimes these rules are put forth to to somewhat deter the minority from doing the wrong thing, which can, can negatively affect the majority of perhaps people who do the right thing. Like in your case, you ask for consent, you perhaps try and record in a particular angle, which is least invasive, you know, but I'm thinking that perhaps these rules are put forth because, you know, someone's got this like giant ass uh, tripod that looks like they're about to shoot a shot out of like Avatar you know, on the side of their their Smith machine bench, or perhaps they place it into someone else's Smith machine bench to perfectly angle it towards themselves while, you know, while they train. And I'm sure there probably are people who aren't necessarily into bodybuilding as severely as we are that simply just want to get in there and have a, have a great workout, but perhaps even just feel uncomfortable surrounding the idea of the camera being in the room whilst they're, they're, they're training, irrespective of whether it's actually, you know, directed to them or not. And I'm not essentially here to play devil's advocate, if anything. But you know, I do. I understand the rule. The rule put forth. Uh, like I, I sort of compared it to, let's say, for example, like you're sitting down in your favorite restaurant, and there's someone like a food blogger sitting to you on the next on the next table, and they've set up like a, a camera with a tripod, and they're recording themselves eating, and you're in the background like eating your meal at the same time. I'm sure like <laughs> that would probably piss off most people, right? Like it would probably frustrate them. Uh, and I think it comes perhaps from a similar suit in that regard. You represent like the minority of people who do the right thing, I think. But there's there's people out there probably do really the the incorrect thing. And this is where people get ag agitated with this stuff. I have seen some gyms do a little bit of different rule. I'm not going to say the gym's name because I might butcher it, but they have like pretty much like a recording time. Like you can't record in peak times and they'll list the peak times. So then that way, you know, at 5 p.m. in the afternoon, when every cat and their dog's there, you're not sitting there with a tripod pitched up recording it. So they go, all right, you're able to record stuff and you're able to use your tripods or whatever it is, but it needs to be from 11 till three o'clock or past that time in the afternoon at like 8 p.m. and onwards, like where there's not too many people there. And then if you are to, you know, record, if there is someone in the background, maybe ask for consent. That way it's not having any like, like you know, oh, all right, I can record at 5 p.m., but I just got to carry over a bench, a box and do all this shit. It's like, they've actually got blanket rules. Like, listen, if you want to record your sets, that's completely fine. If that's something that you want to do, you can come in at this time zone and you can record it with your tripod and all that. Just obviously ask for consent. That way it doesn't like have any black and white rules about like no tripods, but hey, you're able to use a bench. Um, you're still able to record your set. So nothing actually really changes. Um, you just can't use this little mobile recording device. Mm, That's the part that doesn't make sense to me is like why ban tripods, but not recording in general. Because like you're being more disrupted by carrying over a bench and your shaker and putting it in the middle of the walkway. So um, mm, I think the the solution for that would be to perhaps monitor the size of the tripod that you can use because like i've seen 
people like myself, for example, I have a really small tripod and it just, it, you know, put it in the side, right, dude. hardly even, even uh, notice it. Right. <laughs> ha ha. Good one, mate. But uh, you know, those larger tripods uh, like Jack over here, he, um, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where you're going to need to monitor because if someone's bringing in this giant ass thing, then, you know, this, this truck, this, <laughs> It's gone. It's derailed it's gone. completely it's, it's, now. You've derailed the conversation, mate. I do agree though, because that and that was my point, like with like a tripod that can literally be folded into, you know, nothing. Like like how is that an obstruction? And the other frustrating part is that now they're talking about like a media pass where oh, okay, no, now you're actually, yeah, you're allowed to film with a tripod, but you just, you know, flick us a bit of money. So it's like- Only 500. Well, yeah, right. Okay, I didn't, yeah. know, didn't know about this. So it's like, well, what's the ruling? Part, like, because if you're harping on about how you care about people's privacy, then it's like, okay, fair enough. Like, if you're that serious about it, make it a blanket rule, no filming in this gym. So and I think the, like, that would what, suck. A lot of people would probably leave, but- What's the like details around the media pass? You know how much a media pass? No, I don't know how it is, but they just mentioned that in the post that like, you know, they were going to make these sorts of things available to people if they wanted to record. But like, I don't know. I just think the other thing that really frustrates me, and this is like probably not as much directed towards the management, but more like the people in the comments is just like everyone going on about like, oh yeah, now people can get back to hard training. I'm like, mate, like, do you want to go up to like the like okay, let's just think of like the immediate people we follow that like film their sets using a tripod mm. i'm sorry but like 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 if i'm being straight and this is not me saying i'm like the man because i think that there's lots of people who are able to train harder than me but like there's not too many people at powerhouse that i look at and go wow like that dude would bury me or like that girl is, would just like wipe the floor with me like i think like the people that i surround myself with DY, Matt, Carolyn, Gary, all tripod users or former tripod users, and like you and Jack are the same, are all training hard. So it's like, let's not try pretend that just because we're in a generation where we're filming our workouts, we're active on social media, for a lot of us, it's part of creating content, which like directly relates to our job as well. Like, don't try spin it that that is somehow like a softer version of training. Like, mm. I just like, I watched a video the other day of Keefe doing 13 plates aside on the Cybex squat press. The camera looked pretty still. I'm going to hazard a guess that it may have been sitting on a tripod. So if you want to go like tell Keefe that he's soft and that he doesn't know how to train because he films his workouts, like be my guest. But I think we all know how that's going to go down. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think the other thing too is like, technology is only going to continue to advance and people are going to want to express themselves on social media even more over the coming years and, and decades. So it's not like we're going to enter a phase where people are less inclined to do that. People are only going to become more inclined. So they need slightly more of a uh, technical solution to just say, don't use tripods because um, people are just going to probably switch gyms. Like mm. I'm grateful that I train at rigs at the moment. I'm just waiting for the, uh, Apple, the Apple glasses. Have you guys seen yeah. you know, those doing the round? Pro, yeah. Just waiting for someone to rock up to the gym and they're just virtually working out while sitting on the leg press with this thing, just touching the air while they're looking, you know, tracking their workout. <laughs> you haven't bought them yet? Like I literally do my leg press and I'll have them on. I'm just doing check-ins like while I'm actually <laughs> training. <laughs> 
Well, isn't it? There's those studies where they get people to like think about a one RM and it improves. If only if it was like that for hypertrophy, it'd be absolutely perfect. Mm. We should disclaim as well, though, that we're all online coaches and we all uh, filming our workouts are part of our business. So this is a little bit biased compared to, Mm. yeah, we should get Tony Tony on and see what he thinks. Yeah, he'd be glad to. I want to say as well, like at the end of the day, regardless of what we think about something, like the bottom line is that I'm still, I understand that it's not my gym, so I can't make the rules. And it's like, okay, well, that kind of sucks. That's not how I would do it, but I'm still going to follow the rules because it's a great gym and I still want to be able to train there. So I think that there's like, there's a difference between just being slightly upset and then also like doing the wrong thing. Because I think there is still a an obligation, you know, if you agreed to the terms and the conditions of that facility, you have to stick to the rules. And I'm not like going to be trying to, I don't know, sneak my way around it, but I also do think that maybe there is a chance that it gets reversed once they see that, oh, okay, like these tiny little tripods weren't actually the problem. And I think for one, just telling people to perhaps be more courteous or be more diligent with like asking for consent, I think that's great because I think that is like a legitimate thing that should be done and and that I admittedly could probably be better with. So I'm still going to sort of do as I'm told, but it's just like, Man, like, and me and DY was chatting about this. It's like the, like, has the, the allure of the bodybuilders gym, like the hardcore gym. It just feels like it's, it's gone now. Like, you know, there's now all these little rules in place and yes, it is generally these little minutia that like, maybe you can live without, but you know, like these little things, like maybe you can't deadlift in bare feet. Maybe you can't use chalk. Maybe you can't do this. You can't do that. Like it's all these little things that like bodybuilders have just been doing for the longest time. And it just feels like slowly but surely they're all getting whittled down. Mm -hmm. I don't mind the rules, but at least change it to planet fitness. If we're going to not be able to use calibrated plates on deadlifts, we're not allowed to use chalk. If you can't deadlift in bare, well with socks on, unless you're a grub like Lawrence and does a bare foot, like, you know, is it like, you know, like, it's powerhouse. Like that's the name of the gym. It's like, you look at Bev Francis gym, there's fucking chalk slanging and banging everywhere. Everyone's moaning and groaning. There's plates slamming all over the joint. It's a hardcore gym. Like playing with their tripods, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They got the whole camera crew in there. Ronnie's fucking pressing the fucking 200 pound dumbbells. It's, you know, and what's the alternative now? We all have to pile into rigs where there's no cables that work. (laughs) Mm. Well, I guess no, they, I guess they actually got like some. This. They got some new cables uh, recently, mate. That's ideal. Remember when I was trying to do the tricep push down the other day? Thing yeah. kept coming out, getting stuck on the stack. Absolute debacle. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I mean, some, I got I some think... news from you guys uh, for you guys to um to change the topic a little bit. Um, I uh, I've decided to extend my next season till uh, twenty thirty five uh, for male wellness. I just need to mix it up a little bit. You guys are okay start. I think it's time yeah. to atrophy that upper. It was getting yeah, a bit right. too big and mm. it's about time we... So what's the training split look like now? Uh, it's just five lower, no upper. <laughs> mm. Yeah, completely. Yeah, right. I think yeah. upper might be worked a little bit in RDLs. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Oh, don't do that. See, I, I had actually put my prep out to a similar similar date as well. And I was going to go four, four lowers and, and just one upper. But on that upper day... You know, just to get in a little bit more glutes there rather than like flat dumbbell pressing off a bench, I was actually going to do it off a glute bridge 
just to you know get get a nice, little bit isometric there, yeah. in there yeah, yeah, yeah. just touch my you know a little bit extra volume it all helps right well what well, yeah i'm gonna do a straight upper lower but it's upper glute or lower glute just depending <laughs> on the day which i think is is probably ideal mm, absolutely well uh yes this is an interesting topic to discuss a little bit in in further length right because we put up a poll saying hey what's uh on the instagram saying hey what's uh what's something we can chat about in today's uh, podcast. And I would say like 80% of those questions were surrounding the controversy of this uh, this male wellness category. So uh, I, Which think... I guess we still don't know whether it's real, but we can, we can hypothetically. I think, think the IFBB said that it's not going to be like, like the Mannions aren't sanctioning it, I believe. Mm. It's, it's not an MPC or an IFBB show. So it's like, for example, some random show that's just running and they've said, all right, we're going to do men's wellness. And it has no association with like ICN and like, you know, IFBB, WBFF or anything like that. Well, as far as I know, there might be a small federation that runs it, but it's none of like the big, like main federations. Mm. And I think like when, when federations bring out these sort of... Uh these categories it obviously creates a, a ton of controversy amongst people who are you know in the bodybuilding community our bodybuilders our supporters our judges are you know really a, about the sport and i guess you get people who are on sort of one side of the fence or the other i think you've got individuals who think that it really just dilutes bodybuilding as a whole and um kind of takes away from like the hardcore nature of, of what bodybuilding is and just over over complicates things and and it's just unnecessary and then you've got you know, people on the other side of the camp who are from the premise that it creates more inclusivity and, um, you know, kind of ticks, ticks that box in that regard. Uh, I'm, I'm not for or against it. I think people should be able to be inclusive. And if they don't fit into the mold of, of typical bodybuilding, then I don't think that means that they shouldn't bodybuild. And I, and I think it's wrong to, to sort of force someone into a particular mold, but yeah, it, it is definitely a intricate matter because with the diversification of individuals, I think especially over the last like 20 years or so, there's obviously people, new people that need to be catered for in, in certain sports and endeavors, just like uh, individuals competing in, in powerlifting and the, the gender association with that. So it's um, it can very quickly become quite a complicated topic, which... I don't really want to have that discussion on the talk on the podcast today. So maybe we'll just keep it a bit more superficial. Mate, you're going down the PC route. We want hard, fast, black or white answers as to what you think is, is the appropriate. Planet, what planet is this? No, no, no. Answer, answer is in the gray. Don't tell me this shit. Tell me how you know. No, I'm just kidding. What about you, Lawrence? Yeah. You're the chuckle, mate. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Jack in the sense that, you know, we can't bury our heads in the sand. Like the world is changing and, a lot of things, sport included, are needing to adapt. But I think where I come down on something like this and something like even another topic, which we'll discuss a bit later, is like, at what point do we stop bodybuilding? And at what point are we getting like closer towards like a, a modeling show, for example? Because I think that there is a distinct difference. And I guess like the male wellness would still be you know, it would definitely showcase the physique. So, you know, I think that one is like smack down the middle of like, okay, it's a little bit of a gray area. But the thing is for me- I think it's, I disagree. I think it's very different to 
what we're going to talk about next. Like it's it is very different. It is very different. But I think what I'm getting at is like not everyone has to do bodybuilding. Like you can still do that thing, but like, do we have to call it bodybuilding? Because then it's just it starts to get so messy about like what we associate as true bodybuilding, what we associate as like what I what is true bodybuilding. I'm playing devil's well, good today. So. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, if I ran a natural federation, I would do exactly what the WMBF does. Mm. Like, I wouldn't even have men's fitness. I wouldn't have classic physique. I'd have bodybuilding and men's physique. That'd be it. And it'd there's be the too much diversification of females in um, WMBF. No, I think WMBF is perfect because I think that when you watch the divisions and like DY will attest to this at Worlds, you see like, oh yeah, that these girls are a lot different to the ones that came on an hour ago. And I think that's the key because for me, like within bodybuilding as like the catch-all term, yes, there's going to be different body types. And I was having this discussion with two two ladies last night and one of them made a really good point is that there is a broader spectrum to the female physique and female anatomy. So it makes sense that there would be slightly more variation there's also a different rate at which, you know, muscle maturity appears in some of these women. So, you know, like a mid twenties bodybuilder, he might not have the density of someone in their thirties, but he can sort of hang around where like the difference between a girl in her mid twenties competing with the muscle maturity of a lady in her mid thirties is like vastly different. So I think it makes sense that there are more options for ladies, but I think the WMBF do it perfectly because it's just enough variety but it's not oversaturated. Whereas I think other federations, it's becoming way oversaturated and just diluted where essentially you're watching like three different divisions, but you're like, wait a sec, this is the same lineup of eight girls. Why are they all doing different ones? You know what I mean? So I think it is a bit of a gray area, but I think where I come down on it with like the men's wellness is it is still right. You know, it is still assessing the physique and perhaps we have to just be understanding of the fact that, okay, bodybuilding in 2024 is not going to look like what it looked like in 1980. And yeah, there's some of us that might not go, oh, sweet. Yes, I'm a champion in this, but you know, you don't have to be the biggest fan of it, but you also don't have to tear it down. And I don't think any of us are wanting to or planning on doing that. Um, because I think when it is still a genuine display of the physique, I can still see how that would fit into the mold of a bodybuilding show in the way that we all think it should be. Mm, absolutely. No, I think that's really well said. I think, you know, ideally, like if I look at it from the perspective of being an athlete, let's say the inclusion of, of male wellness, it doesn't actually change anything in relation to my pursuits in my own goals or, you know, even in the way in which I coach or anything like that. So, you Plus know, they I, may even have the same mindset as you, like that you see yourself as a bodybuilder, they see themselves as a, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think, yeah, it, it's, it's hard. I feel like a lot of individuals, it's hard to look at it from both sides of the, of the coin, um, which is, I guess, perhaps what we've inspired a little bit more based on today's, today's conversation. But uh, there is another interesting, you know, category coming into, into fruition within the ICN. And this one did obviously receive quite a bit of a controversy um, on Instagram. That is for sure. And it's the gym model category. What do you think? DY, you, you look so excited about it, mate. What's what, Yeah, what, what, the, the issue with this one is it's going further and further away from like the bodybuilding, the judging, the physique. And now we're judging parts that realistically 
aren't actually physique based at all. Like, you know, and they're so similar to some of the other divisions already, most likely. Like, you know, you look at the people that they put up in the photos of pretty much what they want to look like. And it looks so similar to the exact same as what's in bikini and the exact same as what's in swimwear. And now they're literally just putting active wear on. So it's going down further and further into, is this like, like is someone that's got the best play suit going to win? Like, you know, the, the little gym play suits. So that is that the go there? Like, you know, you're covering up also, if they are going to wear that, you cover. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but I've got mine ready to roll um, for when they release the men's division. Um, And like, you know, it's just going further and further away from bodybuilding. And it is already so similar to some of the other divisions. When I, when I think about the divisions and especially within like natural bodybuilding, you go, is this division really warranted? Like, you know, for the males or the females, like, you know, yeah, you got to have the bikini there. You got to have fitness. You got to have figure. There's clear differences between the few. But now when you're just kind of plugging all these little holes so everyone can fit in with a criteria, you're kind of going further away because everyone's going to do well. Like, you know, you got a subpar physique, chuck on a play suit and then off you go. Like, you know, you can wear tights, you can wear a long sleeve, you know, and not a single ounce of your physique is realistically going to be judged to an extent because you're covered in active wear head to toe. How's this person in condition? Um, you, yeah. So like my biggest thing is, is the division warranted? Like, is there, like, is there any reason to have it? Because like I said, if we just plug every single hole within every single division, there's no differentiation. And that's where you get people that are winning multiple overalls because they're all so close together now. Mm, absolutely. And, and do, do, does, does, does that then push for like apparel companies to get on board and sponsor this particular category as well? Because I mean, if you can be a, a big name brand and you happen to sponsor a federation where they have numerous competitors coming through wearing your apparel, you know, that's that's a bigger lure for 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 some some degree of monetization of this stuff, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's about the only positive comments that the the posts got were people who were saying, Oh, get my uh activewear brand to sponsor the division. And I think on DY's point, there's there's no sport where you know, just slowly but surely they've made the sport easier for people to just keep taking part. Like imagine if the NBA was like, hey guys, we're going to come out with another league, but the hoops are going to be at eight feet instead of 10. And you can't be above six foot to compete in it. Who's going to rock up and watch that? Like the the point is that it's exclusive and that these are the best of the best. What about pickleball? Yeah, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like that, that is, that is different. Like pickleball is great because it's getting like, you know, older people involved and, and that sort of thing. I think that has its own benefits, but like, if we just keep, I know I what you mean by the way. Yeah. Like I understand like inclusivity is good and like, we want more people to get involved at the sport. But the question is like, how much are we willing to sacrifice what bodybuilding was in order to get to that point? Like if we have a, a show with 500 competitors but you really have to squint and determine like, is this a bodybuilding show? Like, is this a modeling show? Like, is this just some sort of fashion expo? Like by that stage, we've lost bodybuilding. So like, okay, cool. Federations are making lots of money and there's heaps of people getting involved, but like, what are we doing? We've lost Mm -hmm. the essence of bodybuilding. And I think, I think bodybuilding is not supposed to be for everyone. Like Mm -hmm. I, it's, I think that was, that's a huge appeal about like why a lot of us, love it so much is because it is a really hard thing to do it's this sort of kind of niche within a niche that we've all found our place in 
And I understand, I, I know, and I, and I don't even know where I fully sit on it because I know that inclusivity is important. But I just think, like, at what point are you just lowering the barrier of entry so that every possible person can take out and take part? And within doing that, you are losing the essence of what made bodybuilding, you know, bodybuilding in the first place. Yeah, I think some of the the scrutiny that, for example, male wellness receives is the fact that women like wellness for women was introduced because women tend to have a more you know natural proclivity towards low body low body muscle muscle mass in that regard right so it's like from a from a genetic standpoint that there, there may be women who just fit that that category you know much better um you know in male wellness in that regard not not as common right where you like see an individual that is like lower way lower body heavy comparison to you know upper heavy in that regard now that doesn't mean that you can't just train your lower and just not train your upper right <laughs> lawrence with the with the dump truck over here but Dude, um, i'm not even gonna prep i'm dubbing it yeah yeah give yeah, me the yeah. card 100 but that's i guess that's another aspect right where people will really sit on the fence with regards to whether it's a viable you know category category or not but I think they're all great points. Like, where do you draw that? Draw the line, and part of a, a bodybuilding category is to actually draw the line on what what is required from a judging perspective to assess one's physique and critique it. And and I guess if they if you dilute that that pool too much, eventually there's just going to be too much overlap amongst everything, right? I think, for example, like ICN, if they really wanted to, they could just split it down the middle and be like, okay, this is the bodybuilding show and this is the pageantry show. Let's have gym wear let's have angels let's have swimsuit runway and all those categories and and transformations maybe and then the rest of it can be more bodybuilding style categories but i do definitely think uh gym wear is is more of a pageantry and, and less of bodybuilding per se mm. and that's a good point jack because it's like it's not like i'm saying or we're saying like oh no that's a horrible thing to do don't do this thing like do that thing. Like if you want to have a competition where, you know, you decide who looks the best in like a pair of Gymshark leggings, go for gold, like do that, but just don't put it in a bodybuilding show. Cause I don't believe that is bodybuilding. I think it's like that stuff is all fine to do, but yeah, put it in like a different style of show. Let it be its own thing because chances are the people who want to go watch that probably don't want to watch, you know, men's open bodybuilding and vice versa. So like having it in the same show is just, I think a little bit silly and also let's not look past the fact that it's another federation another couple hundred bucks and that's probably what's driving this like I just don't see how another div like that is really going oh okay like you know this is going to be great this is going to advance the sport like it is probably just a money thing I think that's not I'm not a secret but the other thing as well is like these shows go for Forever. ICN need to fund their drug testing somehow. Well, mate, that is true. That is true. Um, but now what? Is there like another five divisions of activewear to sit through? Like how long are these? Sh- like, are we going to start to do like shows that are a week long so we can get through everything? Like, mm. I and just think if, logistically like, what if, you know, as well. What if DY wants to wear like a crop top rather than like, you know, like a bodysuit? Like, is that its own category as well? Like, it, what if I only want to wear half tights versus like full tights like will i get marked down where i wear full tights or if half tights better like what's mm. what's the go here i think you look better you do right you 
You do raise a really good point, DC. And what we're going to do is now we're going to introduce another division, one which is going to be long sleeve and long tights, and then one that's going to be short, um, which yep. will only allow to be able to show two inches of belly button. Mm. Nice. But then the other, I think the other consideration is that within natural bodybuilding, obviously no enhancements, therefore no scrunch on the leggings. However, when this category inevitably makes it into the IFBB, you know, an enhancement like a scrunch is probably going to be allowed. But I'll I'll probably leave that up to, you know, the real, the people who are going to be front running the, you know, pushing forward of this division of which DY is certainly one. So, yeah, I'll leave those sort of finer details up to someone like him. I was whispering in the ear of them all the entire time. We're going to split the profits. It's going to be a huge div. It's really going to take off, especially when I take that overall title on the first season. <laughs> really set the standard. Mm. How good. Does this then become like a, is it like a, is it like an off season category then? Right. Because I mean, realistically, if you don't need to get as lean for this and some people can get rather lean, let's say through the upper and they, they hold mm. a little bit more of their, you know, fat distribution through the lower, going to hide that with tights. Like it truthfully, it could be a, an off-season individual that rocks up on that stage. Mm. I'd rather they call uh, it that off-season mm. category. Mm. Yeah. Don't See, give them ideas, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> See, with it, the only positive to this division is that it's actually going to be better on mental health. And that's because you're not going to have to do a prep. So it's realistically the only positive we've got going into this. Mm. Mm. It's time to buy up on those rider wear stocks, boys. Once mm. this gets across the line, the mm. money is up. Yeah, we missed the Black Friday sale too, Lawrence. We were over in America. There's no chance. We're already yeah. behind. Absolutely. I will actually use this opportunity to, to have a quiet, quiet pause within the episode to remind the listeners that we at Bodybuilding Down Under have partnered up with Power Sups and we do have a code if you would like to save 15% off. They're practically, they're giving this stuff away. Let's be honest. I mean, you punch in that code BDU and you're getting 15% off that cart. Like at this point, like me and DY always say, you're making money. So Mm. you'd be just a straight fool not to use it. So make sure, head over, www.powersops.com.au, use the code BDU for 15% off. DC, we're back Mm. to the show. Mm-hmm. I must say before we before we jump on that, I actually just ran the numbers and I just about to buy a thousand dollars worth of power sub stuff. Code takes it down to eight hundred and fifty. I'm pretty much making money at this point, so I just thought I'd run those numbers past you before we dive deeper. Nice. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think good. didn't didn't uh, Jack you agree that you would personally deliver the supplements to them in your in your in your cyber truck? Yeah, I can confirm that. Nice, beautiful, nice. DC, did you, did you try the the pre? Because a full serve of it makes me feel like my heart's going to explode. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. A full. That's it's altered state. It's it's a good pre. If you like your stims, go get amongst it. They also taste really good. But I think I'm going to be half scooping from this point because I was mm. like, ooh, this feels like cardiac arrest. We had a. I had the watermelon one. What What was the one that you had? I got the. I think me and Jack got the same one. It was like Cyclone. Aussie Cyclone. Yeah, like those. Um, what are they, like uh, yeah. ice block that you see ice, from Soto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the watermelon one actually was pretty kick-ass. For, for someone who doesn't really like enjoy taking a little like protein powder and and, and pre-workouts and stuff. You're not having it hot, that's why. It's like, oh, there you go. Damn. Are you still doing that? Yeah, every day. <laughs> Damn. That's so oh, weird. Wow. You gotta, is, the... it like the, is it temperature dependent? So there's like a 
there's certain heatness you got to get it so it like yeah you, you don't want it too hot because then it yeah it i think that would probably damage some of the ingredients as well so you want it you want it like tea strength so not boiling but not cold so that's such a weird concept to me like how did you even did you just one day accidentally put like hot water into your into your cup and you're like oh that's actually not too bad like i don't know i think it originated a decade ago now so yeah it's it's lost amidst time yeah do you actually does anyone on the call drink tea i literally just had a black tea before this that was the first tea i've had in in prep in prep i did but um, not really in the off season. I'm always someone who will like, I'll let's say I'm like, oh, pour, pour a chamomile, help myself go to sleep and I'll fall asleep before I even drink it. So, yeah, okay. I just wanted that- some caffeine, but I didn't want coffee. So I had a black tea. Yeah, see, Jack, that's why you're not serious about it, mate. Because when I was in America, I watched DY crack an energy drink at 9 p.m. and then get onto the check-ins. And that's why he has the Audi and you had to give me the Tesla. Mate, it's just, that it's mindset, Jack. It's mindset. You have to get on DUI's level. So what would you have recommended then? Like a two monsters or a bang? or? Yeah, about four to five cans of C4 should get you through three hours of check-ins. So it's not even one can per hour. You're going to have to double up a little bit. <sighs> I kind of like to drip feed them every 30 minutes. And right. then obviously it slowly just dials off on the back end. And then I fall asleep on my laptop and off I go. <laughs> and super itchy as well from the beta alloy. Just yeah, the parasites absolutely ignoring at his face. Mm. How good. Well, uh, moving on to our next topic here. This is actually a post by WNBF Worldwide. They posted that they had spent $68,000 on drug testing worldwide. What do you boys think? Pretty incredible. Mm, that's good to know. Um, the purchase of my world's photo package covered you know, half of the drug testing for the entire year. That's perfect. <laughs> How much was but, it? Uh, that is, asking? I, I think I paid like 400 AUD. Oof. Yeah, for the photos from Worlds. But in fairness, they were excellent. Big shout out to Better Aesthetics. Unfortunately, no code with them, but, you know, punch it in, see how it goes. Um, in all seriousness, though, that is like, that's unreal. Like for a, like a federation who's obviously like one of the world leaders, but I mean, bodybuilding is still, you know, relatively small fry. Like federations like this aren't getting any monetary assistance from sporting you know, um, commissions for the respective countries or anything. So for them to commit to that amount of money to, to drug testing, I think that's pretty exceptional. Mm. I would be interested to, I, I would like to know how much $68,000 actually gets you in regards to drug testing. Cause I've heard the drug testing on like a scale like this, like worldwide isn't cheap. So I'd be quite interested to see how many athletes they actually got tested with the 68,000 and what kind of testing it was. Was it like, you know, how we do the lie detector test? Was it just urine tests? Because obviously that's a very large amount, but how many actually get tested with that? Mm, I would assume it would be the collaboration of both the, the polygraph like and the urine analysis together because that's mm. obviously what WNBF, you know, prides, prides itself on. But I, I do think that, you know, posts like this just help to solidify the importance of testing, right? I mean, realistically, even if there were minimal individuals that actually were, were tested positive for things, like it's, it's, it's natural bodybuilders uh, who compete with natural bodybuilding that want to be assured that they're competing in a federation 
which is going to do the right thing and, and, and test for this sort of stuff uh, and hold those values true. So uh, it's pretty exceptional to, um, to see that, that sort of stuff. And these are the kind of stats that like are exciting to see, right? Like, especially for someone who's interested in body, natural bodybuilding, uh, you want to know that the, the federations are doing the right thing, essentially. Mm. I think it's, it should hopefully, you know, get other federations to, to up their game as well. Like WMBF is sort of the, the top of the tree for, in a lot of people's eyes in terms of like the best standard, the best run international shows, things like that. So you just hope that it has a, you know, one of those sayings or like a rising tide lifts all ships. So hopefully more federations continue to do more testing. And I think that the biggest thing for natural bodybuilding, like I feel like we've got the in-season testing pretty well managed now where, you know, the winners get tested, any pros who are winning money get tested. The polygraph is a great addition that some feds have, but I think the off-season testing is probably, you know, the the thing that needs the, the biggest implementation because like, let's be honest, that's when, people may be trying to get away with some extracurriculars is in the off season and, you know, coming back 15 kilos heavier on stage and like, wow, damn, those length and partials do be working. Absolutely. I mean, they're that anabolic, right? 15 kilos of just pure lean tissue just on the arms. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, see, saw DY doing some today and he's literally growing in front of me. That's why well, just so large. Hmm. Well, speaking of drug testing, this one is a, another point of controversy. Well, not even controversy, but was interesting to, to see. The ICN Bali uh, basically tested a, uh, an athlete for positive for substances and uh, they were banned for life with ICN. I didn't realize yeah. it was for life. I thought it was like five years or something. No, a lifetime ban. Lifetime mm -hmm. ban with ICN. It's interesting how like, there's a cooling off period, but then that's a lifetime ban if you're caught. I wonder why that's it's the it's case. a bit of a different situation though, because you're actively cheating in a competition where the other one you're not actually cheating. You're waiting out the entire cooling off period. Like you know, you're deliberately going mm. in there knowing that you are cheating. Like it's like it's not like listen, I did the wrong thing ages ago, ten years ago. I've completely waited out. I've abided by the rules. Like they're actively on steroids while competing in a natural federation. Man, it could have been cut any slack or. I think it's like it's always you never. That was know a joke, by the story. way. I, I I think it's fair well, to shame but, the drug test. But yeah, I think it's a, I think it's it's contentious because there are situations where people like have not tried to cheat and they will just get unlucky. There was something in their pre workout. I mean, boys. <laughs> We've all done it. You know, you're a bit clumsy in the change room or you land on a needle. It happens. So mm. I think sometimes people aren't trying and they just get unlucky with something that gets caught up in one of their supplements. So yeah, I don't know, about you, mate, but I I don't know like how it sits with me. I feel like that's the kind of shit that needs to get sorted at Powerhouse. No, no. If anything, I want less vigilance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I can I can understand that, Lawrence, but um, yeah, I think that's why it can be difficult sometimes. But not not for the stuff that this girl was taking, like that's mm. not found in a pre workout. Well, what about that? Um, remember there was that swimmer a few years ago who I do remember, like, that, yeah, like got done for legandrol, and didn't they sort of determine it was like the remnants of like a smoothie shake? Like it was in like a 
some appliance that she used that someone in her house had been using. Like, I mean, because we, you know, we see Legandrol and we go, oh, okay, you can't accidentally take that. But, you know, maybe you can. Mm. Well, even Eric Elms put up like a story today, like where he dived into a study on mass and research indicates that 10 to 30% of dietary supplements may contain prohibited substances. That's a pretty big number. Like imagine on the upper end of that at 30%. Chances are, if you're not checking your supplements before actually doing a competition, not checking that it's not batch tested, next thing you know, company might be a touch dodgy. One week out from show, you don't accidentally cut out your pre-workout. You just continue it on the entire way through. Boom, you pull up to the show, something that might be not water approved. And then next thing you know, you're copping a lifetime ban. But like what Jack said, this is a little bit of a different situation when the, the supplements are taking are definitely the higher class prohibited substances. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's why like as a, as a coach, it's important to promote uh, supplements that are basically HASTA certified. So um, the, it's called the Human and Supplement Testing Australia. They have basically a certification process where they review various supplements. And if they tick the box, they'll be HASTA approved, which means that they're essentially batch tested for you know essentially things that, that may prove to be uh, positive and and ensure that uh, you know you take these things and you won't be tested positive in a in a urine analysis. So I think for even competitors in in like their comp prep season right now, this might be thing a time to perhaps like review that. Just make sure that like the even just the pre workout, the pre pre trainer that you know those sorts of things that you're consuming are not going to test positive because there have been people who have tested positive on a drug test and they're taking just a, a pre trainer. Uh, and unfortunately it's had something that, you know, has fortunately had something. So yeah, not ideal. Not what you want. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a question from our poll and one of this question was, what are the prerequisites that you think are required before commencing your first contest prep? We're going to keep this one nice and brief because I think this is something that we could essentially delve into for an entire episode, essentially. But Jack, spit off some off the, the tip of the tongue. What do you think some of the habits are required for a successful first time prep? And what are some of the considerations you'd make for, for that individual before you tick the box and go, yep, let's pursue it? Okay, well, why don't we do two each or something? Because there are quite a few. Sure. So I would I would say one would be just nutritional accuracy and and I won't even say consistency because that would be another one, but being able to monitor your nutrition accurately, whether that's, uh, via a meal plan route or via tracking your macros yourself. I think anyone who competes should be able to track their macros accurately. And then secondly, like enjoyment of training would be a second one for me, like actually enjoying the process. Yep. Absolutely. What about you, DY? I think one probably very solid one is the starting point of the prep. Make sure the starting point of the prep is actually in a decent position. Don't do a prep and try and pull off 50 kilos for your first ever prep. Ensure that you're sitting at a decent range and you got some of the fundamentals in line. Um, and the next one is logging your training and have been following a structured training program for a decent little bit of time. So, you know, once you enter the prep, you're going to be doing that for probably a very, very, very long time. Um, and then you also tag that in with the uh, good starting point. I think you're set up for success. Rounding it out, Lawrence, what are your thoughts, my man? I'd probably say the social network is an important one and like having a support network in place. I think that unfortunately bodybuilding can sort of attract people as like a bit of a fix it. 
you know, like my life has fallen apart. My life is chaos. Oh, I'll do a prep. That'll give me a bit of structure, get, get me in line. But that's probably a recipe for disaster. So I would say, make sure you're at a stable point in your life where you've got supportive people around you. You know, no life is perfect, but make sure you're in a good spot, you know, mentally and in terms of like your social health. And then I would also say, you know, be prepared and, you know, stable financially as well, because a contest prep is not a cheap thing to do. And there's a lot of costs that need to be considered. And if you are getting to the pointy end of a prep and then you're having to worry about finances because you haven't properly thought through how much this is going to cost and how much strain it might have on your back pocket, then that's another stressor that you don't really want to be dealing with during a contest prep. So I think that those are probably two really important ones and maybe some that aren't considered at the forefront when considering starting a prep. Mm, no, those are all all great, such great, uh, great points to ponder. I also think uh, for an individual, perhaps having run a, a diet phase prior to, so perhaps having run a, a mini cut prior to the commencement of a contest prep, just to at least be able to establish the habits that are required for a successful prep. So it's not a matter of so much kind of hit the, hit the ground running in that regard. And I'm just going to double back on what you said, Lawrence, you know, essentially doing it for the right reasons, I think is an important aspect to, you know, having a positive relationship with food, uh, having a positive relationship with your training uh, and leveraging upon those within a prep, as opposed to looking at prep as a means of fixing those things. Uh, because, you know, we all know that the struggles involved with a contest prep and some people can come out a bit, you know, unscathed or sorry, uh, the opposite, quite scathed or, you know, affected through the diet phase and, and have an even more negative relationship towards both training and nutrition uh, if they didn't establish those fundamentals from the beginning. So plenty of uh, interesting topics that we discussed today. That wraps up our episode. If you love today's episode, remember to give us a subscribe and a five-star review and we'll certainly see you in the next episode.